the Reading Corner today, I'm very pleased to be welcoming Margaret Bateson-Hill and Karen Littlewood. We're going to be talking about their Christmas story, Leah's Star. It's a book that was first published in 2006, but it's got fresh life in this new edition of the book published by Alana Max. First of all, a very, very warm welcome to you both. Thank you. Yes, lovely to see you, Nikki. I did say in the introduction there that this is a story that was first published in 2006, and it was published then under a different title. Margaret, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about how this new edition came about. It came about because Alana Max wanted to put it back into print again and wanted to edit the text down slightly to make it shorter to fit in more with uh, pitch book text length uh, but also to redesign it to really bring out the intensity of the pictures and also to give it a new title Leah Star so that it wasn't just a Christmas book but it was a book about the birth of a baby seen through the eyes of a little girl. Karen do you think it feels like a different book? As soon as it came into my hands in the new format, it felt it was this new beginning. It's a book for now. I think it's come into its own. But um, one thing that I'm really, really happy about, because I work on paper and I work in watercolours, everything is hand-drawn. And I always use quite big pieces of paper. So I get these lovely loose edges. I'm not a neat and tidy, you know, taping it all down and precision. And my loose edges, I love. And that quite often can you know, is is um, not available when I put it in a book. But when it does, in this version, the, the designers picked up on that. And that you see my brush strokes and you see this, it's got this sense of space and, and it gives my illustrations that, that a really lovely new lease of life. And it's kind of what I wanted in the first place, but it's fresh and it feels new and, it, and I've fallen in love with it. That's so lovely. One of the things that really struck me, it was so good to revisit the book and it got me thinking about Christmas and Christmas publishing. When I look at across the body of work, if you like, there are not that many nativity stories. Margaret, is that just my my feeling or do you think it's genuine that there aren't that many nativity stories out there? I've, I've always been struck by how few nativity stories there are. But with my experience of a storyteller, because I've been telling stories to children for the past 20 odd years. uh, When I started off, I was visiting under fives groups in Lambeth. I was working for Lambeth Libraries and I was very aware of the diverse and inclusive sort of number of different sorts of children we would have in the groups. And when I presented the Christmas stories, I was always aware of being sensitive to the different children in the group. And for me, the entry point was the birth of a baby because it's such a universal thing. Obviously, it happens to every single one of us, but we all have different experiences. Telling faith stories can be difficult because you want to be respectful of the faith story, but also not exclude people who don't share those beliefs and and show respect for them too. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be a really good point to tell listeners about the way in which you've told this story because it is Leah's 
point of view. People always think, oh, no, Christmas is for children. Christmas is for children. I'm thinking, yes, but when we tell the story, it's just full of adults. And I know there would have been children there in Bethlehem. So for me, that was the entry point into the story, was to see this story through the eyes of a little girl. And also, children have no pretensions. They just ask questions and they'll be emotionally involved in the story and that's what I wanted to really come out so this was a real story that was being lived Mm. by a little girl and that's the experience I want children to have when they read the story that they are experiencing everything that Mm. Leah's experiencing. She's the daughter of the innkeeper so she's very present at the birth. I've made her sort of the important moment why Mary and Joseph come to her stable because she's so busy looking up at the star, which is so beautiful, that she doesn't see the donkey and she falls over the donkey and therefore she meets Mary and Joseph. And again, that was sort of how we're transformed by, oh, stars up in the sky and how wonderful they are. And then the next minute we find ourselves down in the mud and yet it's in those muddy experiences that sometimes the most amazing things happen if we're open to them. Yes Karen. As an illustrator my role in this is to tell the story through my images, I need to tell the story through my colours and I need to tell the story It's like making a little film. I always remember saying that to Margaret when I first met her. As soon as I read her story, a book is like a little film. And I feel like I'm zooming in. I'm zooming out. I'm going at different levels. I've got bird's eye shots. And none of this is really, really that obvious it's a very for me it's a very subtle approach the different angles and things but one of the things that I did want to do was she she was so powerful in a gentle way about describing the child's viewpoint and that was my role as well all my pictures are done at a certain level so the the market scene when the donkey comes over I absolutely love doing that because I could feel it kind of going ah, you know getting a little bit cross as well and her basket was spilled and then she might have been a bit scared because she might get told off by her dad because she hadn't brought back the vegetables in time so even you know even on the I, I get different viewpoints and I want to make sure that we know that it's a little girl and I'm not being an adult and it's not an adult's viewpoint I think from with both the text and the illustration what comes across is a feeling of authenticity this could have happened in this way were you recalling childhood memories of how the nativity was presented to you or did you go about any research to try to create that authenticity I've never forgotten the feelings that I had over Christmas when I was a little girl and um, my upbringing was my mum was German so obviously Christmas was very very special in our house with lots of candles and lights and things and I've never forgotten this feeling at all but I was also very very um you might notice um that it's very difficult to place in my illustrations exactly when this drawing was. If you wanted it to be 2,000 years ago, then it is 2,000 years ago. But you look at, I made a little dress that probably isn't as authentic. I know what she would have worn if that was being authentic, but I kind of wanted to put her in a little kind of 
frock smock dress, if you see what I mean, that could be now, it could have been in medieval times. Maybe there was elements of some of that that would have been 2000 years ago. So there were little hints of like, well, you know what, I have been to the Holy Land and you're really struck with the now and the then and all the bits in between. And that's kind of what I wanted to rely on as well. It's funny because I mean, I was Mary at five. So I'd sort of live with this story forever. But for Leah's start, it was me being able to put in all the bits that I felt had been left left out. So I wanted a really pregnant Mary in the illustrations. And for me to pull in all the little tiny details that you might not think about, like you know, a blanket for the manger. So Leah goes and gets her own blanket, again, pulling in children's own experiences of having their own you know special blanket so in some ways it was I was almost like retaliating was being against normal Christmas stories being all sort of holy and I wanted it to be you know the smell of the hay and the blanket and Mary walking around in in labor so for, for me it was almost like the opposite. Mm. I'd um, love to come to a little bit and invite you to read about the birth, but I just want to pick up from a, an early review of the book. Rosemary Stones in Books for Keeps said that uh, the birth of the first child is both a real and a miraculous event. And I think that's what you've captured so well in this book. And you're going to read a little bit to us, which will show us just how real it is. <laughs> so we're in the stable and getting ready for the baby to be born. After the coldness and dark outside, the stable was warm and comforting. Susanna immediately took charge. Leah, get another light and some blankets for Mary. Leah helped as best she could. Suddenly she realised there was no cradle. So she filled the animal's feed box with new hay and covered it with a blanket of her own. Susanna walked around the stable with Mary. Just take things slowly, she advised. It could be a long night. Leah found a corner and lay down. She realised she could still see the star. It glowed brightly, as though it were watching over the stable. As she lay in the warm, sweet-smelling hay, her thoughts began to drift. With Susanna's help, Mary would soon be a mother. She wondered if her own mother ever watched over her from somewhere high above. Leah didn't wake until she heard a cry. The baby was here. Lovely. Can I just ask you, Margaret, why you decided that Leah's mother wouldn't be around? I was very aware that so many children don't necessarily have a mum and a dad and so I just suppose I wanted it to add an extra layer of emotion and feeling I mean Leah's relationship with her dad I mean although he's a bit cross with her they're also quite quite close and for me I didn't want to sugarcoat this nativity story too much and so I sort of yeah, it was rather horrible in a way to give up to <laughs> wasn't it? To make her motherless. But again, I wanted to have that sense of something above, some higher being, something of love above looking down 
on us and, and, and caring for us. And for me, the star was this great, amazing symbol of that. I often put stars in my stories, and I, I love the idea that we're made of stardust as well. So without anything being too obvious, I was just trying to weave all these little ideas. And I have met children who have lost a parent whilst I've been using Leah's star. And I've been very moved at them really remarking about that moment and how special it is is to them and to think about their own parent looking down on them. Yes, Karen. And, and again, that that was just such a powerful thing in, in, in my work as well. And the thing about the stars, again, little twinkles, little links, those little sparkling moments when it's like being together even when you're apart and i think it's 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 not a sad thing um it's how i think we carry things around in our hearts and there's a link and sometimes it's that strong feeling like if somebody's not there that but they are still there and and that runs through the the, the whole book i also sort of got picked up on this margaret when um if we had another family, like a mom and a dad and a child, that would have been another family in the story, whereas the focus is on this new, very, very special family that has arrived in Bethlehem. I'm trying to imagine it now and how it would be different if it had been more of a, a nuclear family, as it were, and it would have had a different feeling to it. That's so interesting. Um, I know this is a really hard one, Karen, but I want to come to you and ask you, I often find it very interesting to invite illustrators to share specific illustrations and talk to us about those. And I know that's really hard to decontextualize it from the whole story, but we'll give it a go. It was really hard. Um, I was trying to think of which picture was the one that meant a lot to me and that would be lovely to describe. And obviously the first thing that came to mind was the very final spread on the book where there's a picture. It's, it's a gentle, gentle ending when all is well. It's this pure, gentle bonding moment and t- tenderness um, where Leah is holding the baby and it's kind of feels like the baby is holding them and that is all there is in this world and then we get this feeling of there's a lot of shadows in there that I put in because I wanted to really focus on again the light just catching little hints on Leah's hair catching little hints on her cheek um, and catching hints in the baby's eye there are tiny details to, to all emphasize um, that it was in a cozy place. So I didn't use blacks and um, I used rich colors of purples and that her hair was, was curly and wild and she's got this little smile on her face. So the colors for me are really important when I'm telling a book because they tell a story too. And even if you don't realize it, there's a glow coming out of the shadows and there's a tiny moment that is actually tiny but it's big at the same time could you just read out that little line that was the the trigger for me but when his tiny fingers clasped one of her own she had the strangest feeling that it was not her holding the baby but the baby holding her and it ends on an ellipsis there 
What was the second illustration you wanted to share with us? Well, the little town. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, which is one of my favourite songs anyway. Um, And I love nothing better wherever I am in the world to go wandering through alleyways and little passageways and chatting to the people that you see and eating you know so that was instant I really exaggerated the colours so I knew that the buildings were sandy coloured but I wanted it was a children's picture book I wanted hues of those natural stone colours that you would find and so I exaggerated them and I put blues and reds and terracottas and goldens and turquoises went so well with it so I made the twilight sky and remember to put little hints of the poplar trees in the distance and the hills beyond and it's this page of Obviously, as an illustrator, you you don't just draw one big picture. You have to think about where the play, the text is going to go, and it was absolutely perfect. So I did my drawing. So it was wind. You got that windiness of the streets going across both spaces, both pages of the book, and then these tiny, tiny little figures of them walking through the streets. So your you, this literally was a bird's eye view. And then you see a little bit of a hint of the father with his arms wide open. And then he realizes that she's leading a donkey and two people behind her. And so I just wanted to get that moment just before they were introduced as if she's trying to say, Dad, I'm really sorry, but look what happened and look Mm -hmm. who I found. And, um, And so pulling away so that you know the market is at the end of the street and they've just walked along. And um, yeah, so the colours are very rich and very strong and just as twilight is falling. So um, as a reader, I mean, that's the first thing that you're struck by as you turn this page, colour comes first and and that brings an emotion with it. Yeah. A tremendous amount of warmth uh, in the picture, but also how you cleverly lead the eye obviously the characters take the focus but after that your eye is led away to that star and to the hills and to the things that are beyond I just want to ask Margaret really a a question about the illustration and I'm just interested in your responses and whether there was anything in particular that you know was a, a sort of wow moment or a contemplative moment that came uh, for you from looking at Curran's work? I love the colour. Of course I love the colour. It's it's the faces. It's the intensity of all the gazes of the faces. Leah in that first spread when she's in the market and she's disgruntled and unsettled and unhappy. The eye lines that Curran gets between characters even even when um at one point Mary and and Leah are talking around a well and Leah's like hanging over the well you know sort of oh isn't Mary wonderful and you can see that sort of gaze between them so for me it's I love the atmosphere it gets me every time it's Mm. the people that Karen does yeah um, that pulls me in again and again. And I think it's that whole thing of, of being real. The emotions in the story are real and you see them in the faces of the character, but also their body language. That's what grabs me mm. every time. 
Karen, did you have a third one that you were going to talk about? Um, yes, there was one that I really, really liked. Um, and it's one of the single page spreads. Um, sometimes I do um, two single pages um, just to get a different feeling. And there was one when the three wise men are coming into the town. And it, I did want to change the colours quite a lot in this one because I wanted this one to feel like it was, you know, like much, much more pushed back to give a sort of weariness because they're at the end of their long journey. And with the star again, but this time it's really, really exaggerated in the background and the colours are blues and greys with little touches of pinks and greens and a little wash of ochre. It's literally just the side of the building and Leah's in the top room and she's leaning out and you can see she's just putting her head out of the window and she's very tiny and this very, very important grand king is looking up at her. So it kind of shifts the balance a bit. I wanted him, we always have this thing about the grand kings. And I actually wanted them to feel quite humble as well, because they were searching for something and they were going to meet somebody very special. And I really wanted to set that scene, not that they were these amazing kings who you were untouchable, but the fact that he was asking a tiny little girl and he was looking up at her and she was probably not overawed by them she was just like oh yeah of course you know this is where they are and I'll tell you where they are Mm -hmm. and that's the feeling that I wanted to get so they've got the king looking up and Camel is also looking up as well and going have you got any food you know have you got anything to eat I'm a bit hungry so there's lots and lots of balancing acts going on in there but it's actually a very very simple picture of a little girl looking out of a window and talking to a king I just want to ask Margaret something about that, because sometimes we say wise men, sometimes we say king. In your book, it's wise men and they are scholars. They are scholars. I think in the in the Matthew, they are wise men, the Magi. Mm. And I think it makes them slightly more accessible to be scholars and, and wise men rather than kings. I think being wise for me was more important than them being mm-hmm. powerful. It's interesting that you can see how both of those things have been used in the Christmas story to give a slightly different feelings to what this story is about. Yes. And in fact, can I just quote you again, Margaret, when you say in the book that uh, God often chooses little people to do great things for him. And that's what Karen was saying in a way, but I think it even goes beyond that, that perhaps it's hard it's, it's about the rich man entering the kingdom of heaven that it's harder because you only get rich, really, really, really rich at the expense of other people. I think so, too. And for me, I really wanted that to echo uh, Mary's Magnificat, uh, which, again, lifts up the humble people. And I always want children to know how important they are and what they have to say matters and counts you know like like current we we meet so many children and really so much wisdom and generosity and kindness and amazing things comes from the lips of children I'm always blown away by what comes out of children and how much I learn so that was also something my homage to to children wonderful Wonderful. 
Just one final question. Although I feel that I could keep talking to you for some time, I was struck by the sort of relevance, not only of the things that we've talked about today, but the fact that this young man and woman about to have a baby are really refugees that are at the beck and call of a Roman emperor. Um, And it seems to have so much resonance for many things that are happening in the world today. Was that in your mind at all when you wrote the story? Completely, completely. And it seems to become even more relevant today than when I I wrote the story. I mean, you know, we see on our screens families fleeing, fleeing for their lives, uh, giving up everything they've got. And again, they could be us and they are not other. They Mm. are us. And for me, that was, again, central to the whole story. So Lear's Star, a nativity story, I hope that it's going to find its way into many homes and into many classrooms and be shared with a body of work that, as you say, give us different aspects of Christmas. But this is one that shouldn't be forgotten. So thank you both so much for joining me today in the reading corner. (laughs) Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. (laughs) It has. Thank you. And it's been really fun to re-explore the story and why we came to write it and illustrate it in the first place. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review for us. To find out about other projects, including an audience with events and the Exploring Children's Literature Summer School, visit www.exploringchildrensliterature.uk. Join us again soon in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.